0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Christ Reformed Baptist Church and our Sunday School Hour. We are privileged this morning to have Pastor Brett Shaw with us from Sycamore Reformed Baptist Church yes. in East Moline, Illinois. Did I get that right? Um, if you guys know the Brinkleys or Sophie McClure, uh, he's the pastor of the church there. He's also um, one of my good friends. We went to seminary together at Westminster Seminary, California, IRBS. So, we're going down this week to the General Assembly, which is near Savannah, the ARCA General Assembly. So he's coming through and uh, he's graced us with his presence. And we're privileged to have him both teach to us this morning and bring the Word of God to us as well. I do want to just go on record here, especially for, for Nathan Birma here. I did not choose the Sunday school lesson that he's going to teach today. So I just went up. You know, this is all his own doing. So when he talks about the local church, it's not just me. I'm just uh, so. We've been talking about that a lot lately. So, but let me open this up in prayer, and then we'll welcome Brett. Our God and Father, we give you thanks this morning for your glorious grace, the grace that you have poured out on us through the person and work of Christ. And Lord, it's because of Him and His atoning work, His uh, death for uh, our justification. Uh, and resurrection as well. Lord, it's because of His completed work that we can come before You as children of God. We can look into Your Word. We can have the promise of Your presence and of Your Spirit. And so, Father, we praise You and we worship You this morning for Your goodness towards us. And we do ask, Lord, as we open up Your Word this next hour, that You would send Your Spirit to move among us. Lord, that He would enlighten our eyes, and He would conform us to the image of Christ, uh, that we might bring praise and glory to Your to your name, and that we might adorn the gospel out in the world. So Father, we pray that you would be with us this hour through the person of your Spirit, and that you would be with our brother Brett as he opens up the Word of God to us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, it is a, a privilege to be here this morning with you. Uh, Sycamore Reformed Baptist Church sends their greetings. We pray for you. Uh, we have a great love for you. They send their greetings to the Brinkley's in love and for Sophie. Uh, but for all the saints here, um, know that you are prayed for. And uh, it's just it's wonderful being here this morning. Uh, I did pick the topic on uh, what we've been going through for our Sunday school. We, we went through it not too long ago, which is the book, Jesus Loves the Church and So Should You. And particularly this morning on the necessity of the means of grace. So uh, the book, I looked on your book stall or up front. The book is up, upstairs as well. Uh, a wonderful book on the, the centrality of the church. And one of the reasons why I was thinking about the church today is as a church plant, if you're going to plant, plant a church and be uh, a church that is faithful to Christ in the Lookout Mountain, which we pray for, that you're... a uh, the light on the mountain, the city on the hill, you are uh, enabled to proclaim the gospel here, you have to have a right understanding to do that of the centrality of the church. And you have to have an understanding of the means of grace and how God works through means for us to grow in godliness so that we would trust in those means and have confidence in the means that God has ordained so that He would work through those means to build His church uh, here in, in Lookout Mountain. So the question is, how are we to grow in the grace and knowledge uh, of our Lord and Savior? What are the means God has given us to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior? When you, when you ask that question, or when you think how are we to grow in Christ, what first comes to mind? What do you first think about? How, how do I grow? Reading the Bible. Praying. Right. Um, usually what we think of, and even with those, we first jump at the individual. And we say Bible reading and prayer, which are n- necessary for the Christian life, to read and to pray, to grow. But first off, when we think of how do we grow, we shouldn't first think about the individual. We should think about how God causes us to grow through the church. Sitting under the means of grace in the church Is how we grow and how the Lord works through these these means. Charles Spurgeon, he spoke of the necessity of the church uh, for our growth and godliness. He says the church is left in the world still that she may bring out the rest of God's elect that are still hidden in the caverns and strongholds of sin. If God willed it, he might have brought out all his children by the mere effort of his own power without any use of instrumentality. He might have sent His grace into each individual heart in some miraculous manner as He did in the heart of Saul when He was going towards Damascus. But He has not chosen to do so. He who hath taken the church to be a spouse and his bride has chosen to bring men to Himself by means. And thus it is, through God's using the church, her ministers, her prayers, through making these means of increase of a spiritual kingdom... She proves her right to take to herself the title of mother. God could have done it a different way. But God chose to use means, to use the church, the ministry of the word of God, her prayers, and as he even calls the church, uh, her her mother, Spencer. Spencer. Yeah, with Ananias, we're going to see that today. That's a text I'm actually preaching on this morning in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 9. I think what he means here, Spurgeon, is that not everyone sees the, the risen Lord immediately. That kind of was the conversion. But it's through the preaching of the gospel, which Paul even says in, in Galatians, that uh, Christ was crucified before your eyes. And so in that sense, it's like we still behold Christ in the preaching of the gospel, but through the means of preaching rather than through the means of the risen Lord appearing to you. But that's a good point, though, too. Even even there, it was through the church. Go to Ananias yeah, to do it. Turn with me to 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, verse 14 through 18. Here we see Peter calling us to be uh, diligent, He gives a warning to not fall away because there's false teachers in the church calling us to persevere and to grow in our faith. He says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and, and blameless and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation as also our brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them all these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Here he gives us this warning. Calls us so that we would, warns us to be steadfast, calling us to be diligent so we don't fall away, so we don't twist the scriptures and fall away as some have done, even when there was hard things to understand in in Paul's writings. So what does he tell us? He calls us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior. Well, how, how do we do that? Well, he says, which untaught. And unstable people twist to their own destruction. So by contrast, the one who's going to persevere and grow is the one who is taught, who's stable upon the Word, who knows the Word because they're under the ministry of the Word of God. They're they're taught the Word. So he's calling us to sit under the means of grace, to be taught the Word of God through the preaching of the Word, so we could persevere in our faith. In other words, it's it's presumptuous to think that we will persevere in our faith apart from the means of grace. To think that as an individual Christian, apart from what God has instituted in the church, that we will continue on in our faith. Now, as good Reformed Baptists and Calvinists, we believe that if you have believed upon the Lord Jesus, you are kept. God God keeps you in Christ. You will not fall away. But what has Christ instituted to keep you he's instituted the means of grace. he's given us the church so that we're kept we're, we're kept through his means, the means of the church to do so, the centrality of the church for our faith and to persevere in our faith. Uh, so what are the means of grace? What are the means of grace? Uh, the Baptist Catechism, question 95 um, asks what are the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of of redemption. Just a side note, the, the Catechism is a great place to learn sound theology. So go to the Catechism. It's not just for children. It's to be taught the Word of God and to be stable in the Word of God. We know the Catechism. So we can go to these questions. And this is sound theology. He's, the Catechism says, "...the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption are His ordinances, especially the Word, sacraments, and prayer." all of which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. That is, these are outward and ordinary means with the Word, sacraments, and prayer by which the Spirit works through them to communicate to us the benefits of Christ, the benefits of redemption. Outward and ordinary means that come with a promise. They're promised that God would work through them for your good. Now you could think, haven't we already received all of the benefits of Christ through faith? I believe upon the Lord Jesus. I've been converted. I've received all the benefits of Christ. I've been united to Him. So I've re- received justification, sanctified in Christ in those ways. Well, that's true. But each week when we sit under the Word of God, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, when we pray together as a body of Christ, th- those benefits are communicated to once, once again to us. They are confirmed to you that you've received them. And so that you would have assurance that you're beholding Christ and you've took hold of Christ. And all those benefits are yours. So yes, we've received them in fullness in Christ. And he then pours them out upon us once again confirming that you are in Christ. And that these are your benefits. These are the the benefits of Christ but we we call them their their ordinary means, right? We think of the Lord's Supper. It's just bread, it's wine. I saw Kem came in with the grape juice and the wine, and, you know, just ordinary means. You know, you just eat a piece of bread. But when we partake of the, the bread and the wine through faith, we're believing that Christ is communicated to us, that we're receiving Him, that He's present in the Lord's Supper. Something so ordinary... You know, we, could, we believe we could also, or I think Nathan believes, you could just get rid of it. There's some that don't. But you know, afterwards, they're no longer set apart for that ordinary, that, that sacred use. The ordinary, you get rid of it. Or you let it sit in the refrigerator. It's ordinary. But through the work of the Spirit, they become extraordinary. Extraordinary. If you want to see extraordinary things done in the church, Our culture loves extraordinary things. We want extraordinary ministry. We want signs and wonders ministry. If you want to see extraordinary things done, just look to the means of grace. Look to the preaching of the Word and the Lord's Supper. How Christ is working powerfully through them. And even through the preaching of, of the Word of God, dead men are raised to life. If you believed upon Christ, it was through the Word you were brought from death to life. That's extraordinary an extraordinary ministry through ordinary, ordinary means. Uh, Michael Horton defines the means of grace. He says, the creaturely media through which the Spirit delivers Christ and all of His benefits. We're effectually called into union with Christ by the preaching of the Gospel. Through the ministry of the Word, the Spirit gives us faith in Christ. He further ratifies His gracious promise by baptism and the Lord's Supper, the signs and seals of the covenant of grace. So, the Word of God grants to us faith when we believe. And it strengthens our faith even now as believers. And through the Lord's Supper, those, those signs are ratified to us. Confirmed to us, sealed to you, that Christ is yours and all the benefits. So the means of grace then are instituted by Christ with the promise of blessing attached to them of Christ and His benefits. That's what the means of grace are. Namely, the Word of God, the sacraments, and, and prayer. To you guys, why do you think many Christians have rejected the idea of the ordinary means of grace? Why has why our culture, or even maybe some of you come in with questions about the church and means of grace, why do you think our culture rejects that idea of God working through His church through ordinary means of grace? Yes, it's made up of sinners. Up of sinners. Uh, elaborate on that. Yeah. So people think that we're all hypocrites.
0: So what do they know about telling me how to live my life or what I need
1: or don't need? Yeah, yeah, that's I didn't think of that. But yeah, so then you're telling them that there's grace in the church, but listening to a sinner. That's maybe a reason why we, we need the means of grace, right? We're all sinners. So we need to sit under. We need to receive grace if we're going to receive anything from God. Um, Yes,
0: Often the church does disappoint us related to that. I remember as a, a child, yeah. as a teenager, going uh, through an experience where thought a lot about how God was giving him some vision and it was going to be very exciting. And when he finally described it, it basically involved making his congregation bigger. And,
1: yeah, yeah. And in a
0: way, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. But the way it came across mm. was very worldly. And, and, that may just be me and my sin. I don't want to reflect negatively. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. But I was very disappointed, and therefore my feeling was, well, you know, this is just another yeah thing. You know, it's like getting a discount on a sale or, you know, getting two for the price of You know, it's, it, yeah. it didn't seem special or holy.
1: Yeah, that's true. Just the way that we viewed the church as a whole in our culture, and the church disappoints us at times. Maybe that goes back to yeah. this point. The church is made up of sinners, so it will okay. disappoint us. Um, But again, maybe that's why we need to understand the means of grace. Because it's not about what we do as the church. We're sinners. It's that God has promised to work through His church. To grant grace to sinners. So even though that a sinful man will stand up today and stand in here now teaching you. And will preach the Word of God to you. We're trusting that it is the very Word of God that God is communicating to us through a sinful man. So we don't we're not putting our faith and trust in the, the men or a pastor. We're trusting that Christ is head over the church, working through a sinful man to proclaim the word of God. But that's yeah, you're probably right. We're disappointing the church often. Any other ideas, Ken? Yeah. To bring Christ and His grace. Yeah. So, so, yeah, to the world, it looks boring and pretty lame. And gee, yeah.
0: You guys are
1: still stuck back in the century. Yeah. Those were some of the things I was thinking of. Just It's just boring to talk about means of grace. There's other things to talk about. Or there's other things to come to the church that we'd want to do. We want to, we want to have this experience. I want to come in and be wowed. I want to have something that's exciting in church. And sometimes or preaching a sermon that may go too long, or the teaching or something. It just seems, isn't there something else we could do? But if God is or has, has instituted, if Christ has said, this is the way I'm going to pour out grace upon you, then we're going to fall in love with that ministry. That's where I want to go. I want to know where God is working, and promise to work, so I could love it, so I could sit under it, and hopefully then love the church. Yeah, Pastor White.
0: Kind of piggybacking on that a little bit was the fact that, you know, we live... Uh, our culture craves experience. And, I mean, just look at Hollywood. We've grown up in the Hollywood culture. Yeah. where The biggest and greatest movies. And um, we're kind of conditioned in a sense to crave experience. And that, uh, the flip side of this is we also live in a Christianized or a nominally Christian culture. Yeah. Where conversion is seen as a common thing. Huh. And so, you know, we want... And crave something greater than just what is faithful Christian living. Well, that's you know loving your wife, loving your family, being being a good employee, and uh, being devoted to the Lord, right? And yeah. Cultivating the fruit of the spirit. We want something greater. Well, that's too boring. That's too, too, boring. Ordinary. That's too yeah. ordinary. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so we, we in a sense, our culture conditions us to crave something bigger and greater because the simple things just won't do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely absolutely right. Uh, there is an experience, because we're trusting that Christ is present. So when we sit under the preaching of the Word, when we, by faith, receive the sacraments, there's an experience. It's not the experience of a, a fuzzy feeling or something that you're going to leave with this high that you would somehow how get. There is an experience of Christ. That's the wonderful aspect of the means of grace, is that Christ is present in it, so that we would enter into His presence And receive benefits from Him. It's knowing that and believing that. If we don't know that, we come here then seeking other things. Other than Christ. Where He's promised. Other things I was thinking and We reject it because we're too individualistic. Again, I think that's a huge problem. If I could grow elsewhere. If I'm getting more out of Bible reading and daily prayer. Listening to podcasts and sermons outside of church. Why do I need to come on Sunday? I've already listened to six sermons this week. Why do I need to be a member of a church, sitting under my pastor who knows my heart, and on the Lord's day preaching to us? So, again, in the individual aspect, um, we think of the church primarily as uh, our obedience to Christ. We think of what we do in church. So, then sometimes we look for uh, to be active and doing stuff. So, coming to church on the Lord's day and resting and not working is. It seems counterproductive to the Christian life. We're supposed to do. We're supposed to be active. But the means of grace teach us it's not what we do. It's what God does for us. What God is at work for us. Even when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we can think of, and there's many views of the the Lord's Supper, uh, the Lord commands us, do this in remembrance of me. It's my obedience of my remembering, and I'm being obedient to Christ. But that's not primarily what the Lord's Supper is. We do it in remembrance of Christ. We're being obedient to His command. But it's something God has promised to do for you. A sinner in need of His grace. Where Christ is present to us. So again, if we're thinking of what we're coming on the Lord's Day. I'm thinking, I'm experiencing Christ. And He's promised to do something for my, for my heart. That's sufficient for us as sinners. Communicating grace. Communicating grace. Uh, The other aspect I thought is others want to make everything a means of grace. So you read in our culture, uh, you could probably find it elsewhere. Brian McLaren, uh, popular, or he was popular, uh, emerging church movement kind of thing. And he says this, he says, your coffee break on the patio, your walk in the woods, your talk with a friend, they all become some spiritual encounter or experience where we get more out of than going to church. So if everything is spiritual, and if everything becomes, look, we can worship God in everything, then really we worship God in nothing. Because it's just, oh, look, on the patio with the coffee, I, I got more out of it talking with a friend than in church. Well, it's because you've misunderstood the nature of God's grace, and how He communicates it to you, and the necessity of the means of grace with that. Yeah,
0: that's put a plug in for our continued series on biblical and reform worship. Yep. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. The distinction between public and private worship. We've talked a little bit about it, but yeah. that's sitting on it a little bit. If yeah. If everything is worship, then is anything worship? And yeah. So we're going to talk about that. Is worship all of life? What do we mean by that? Is it not all of life? What do we mean by that? And um, yeah. this is important.
1: So yeah. 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 Um, so the means of grace. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about the unity of the church. And then he talks about uh, Christ who has ascended. He pours out gifts upon men because he's earned it in his work. So he ascends it. He earns the, the fullness of the Spirit. And he pours out gifts upon upon his church. And the gifts are... These, these men, the offices, in verse 11. He says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see here, he gave gifts... Now, we don't have the time to go into this passage and break it down completely. You know, I mean, there's questions of what about apostles today, prophets today, what's the evangelist? But at the very least, we see that he's given pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So these three things till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So how do we come to the unity of the faith being built up in Christ to be the perfect man? If I mean, if we we usually read that and we think, "Oh, I'm becoming the perfect man," I'm being built up in the unity of Christ to be the perfect man or a perfect woman. It's not individualistic. He's talking about the church being built up as the perfect man in Christ. The church is built up to the unity of the faith. So he's saying, how do we grow in Christ? It's through the ministry of the Word of God, the gifts that Christ gave. So we would grow and we would be built up in Christ. Verse 16, from, "...from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love." The whole body is being knit together. And you can see the church as members, we have a part to play in this as well. So there is the church working together as individual members. But the emphasis on Ephesians 4 is on the ministry of the Word of God. That the ministry of the Word of God to build us up in Christ. It is, it's about uh, the means of grace and the church uh, as necessary for, for our sanctification. David Clarkston, he says this, he says, The presence of God, which enjoyed in private, is but a stream, but in public becomes a river. A river that makes glad the city of God. From Psalm 46. Yeah, it, it's in private. It's one thing. There's a private means of grace. It's but a stream. It, God works. But when we come together and worship, it's but a river built together as we're built together in the body on body of Christ. Um. Sorry, I was looking at the time. We have to skip some of this aspect on uh, what's accomplished in it. When we think of what's accomplished in through the means of grace, it's that it's, it's accomplished that we receive Christ and His benefits. And it's through the Spirit of God that makes it effectual to us. The spirit joined with the word or with the sacraments makes it effectual to our hearts. It's, it's powerful through the hearts, but it's also through faith. Now, when we think of conversion, it's apart from faith or we're granted the gift of faith so that it becomes effectual. But as believers, it's through faith. We receive the means of grace through faith. So we have a part to play when we come to, to worship, to receive the word of God and to hear it in faith. Or when we partake of the Lord's Supper. It doesn't just work uh, effectually apart from faith. Now there's some traditions that would teach that. That if you just partake of it, it becomes effectual. Like Roman Catholicism teaches that. But it's effectual when we partake through faith. By the Spirit of God, through faith, it brings benefits of Christ to us. So what are the means of grace uh, these different aspects. We'll just consider three, uh, the three aspects of the uh, ordinary means of grace: the Word of God, sacraments, and prayer. And then we'll make uh, just a few applications in our brief time. First, the Word of God. The Spirit makes the preaching of the Word of God an effectual means of grace for us. Romans ten fourteen. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And this is in the context of preaching. How will they hear if someone's not sent? To preach the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the preached Word of God. The centrality of preaching. Even in Second Timothy 3, 15 and 16, all Scripture is given by God, or given by inspiration, or different translation, breathed out by God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. We read that and we go, look, the, the Word of God is sufficient for us and we first think about reading the bible when we hear 2 Timothy 3:16 we first think about reading it but paul says this he says that the man of god may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works what does he mean there by the man of god a godly man that the godly man might be furnished what paul has in mind it's a pastoral epistle he's talking to Timothy as a pastor the man of God is from the Old Testament context of a prophet, of one who's ordained to preach the Word of God. So what he, Paul is saying in Second Timothy 3 is that the minister of the Word of God is, becomes sufficient. He has the sufficiency in the Word of God that he's thoroughly furnished to do his work of preaching. So it's first in preaching. Now, we make applications to reading. It's sufficient for us in reading. It's sufficient in all things for us for life and godliness. But we, that, even in that context of that passage, we think of it first in preaching. We, we, must, we must do so the sufficiency of the preached Word of God. Secondly, the sacraments are a means of grace. The sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, that's also why we would teach that you, ha- you partake of baptism, uh, you have to profess faith first. Because it's a means of grace. And if it becomes effectual through faith, then you have to partake of baptism by faith. And you partake of it and it becomes that means of grace. Um, Calvin called uh, the, the sacraments, he says, the, the sacraments bring the clearest promises and they represent the word for us as painted in a picture from life. In other words, the sacraments are like an illustration of the Word of God or the visible Word of God. So we hear of Christ crucified, we hear the gospel, and then the Lord, in His kindness and mercy to us, gives us the sacraments to behold through ordinary means the gospel, the visible Word of God, before your eyes when we partake of it. In 1 Corinthians 10 16, a passage. On the Lord's Supper talks about how through partaking of the Lord's Supper, we have communion with the body and blood of Christ. That means Christ is present when we partake of the Lord's Supper. He's not present physically, as if we tangibly eat of Christ physically through the Lord's Supper. He's present spiritually. When we partake by faith, we receive Christ. We nourish ourselves upon Him. That's how He communicates uh, grace us. Um, sometimes we think, and again, this is our, our culture, that if we partake of the Lord's Supper too often, and I know you partake of it weekly here, which is wonderful, uh, that if we, take, we partake of it too often it just becomes ritualistic to us. It loses all its meaning. But how can a means of grace lose its meaning? We don't give it its meaning. You don't give it its meaning when you come to it. It has meaning. Now, it could lose meaning to your own heart. You don't come and partake of it by faith. You don't understand the meaning of what's happening. Therefore, you don't receive all the benefits through faith when you're, if you're not partaking by faith. But it has meaning. So when we partake of it by faith, we receive that grace. Therefore, we should be partaking of it uh, as, as often as we come together to receive that. We should look forward to it. Uh, how, how many of you, and this is not to raise hands or anything, but when you come to the, the Lord's Day today, how many of you are looking forward to partaking of the Lord's Supper? Like, you can't wait. Maybe even Monday, you're like, I can't wait to go be back at church to partake of Christ. Hear the Word of God and to partake of it in the Lord's Supper. That's how we should view the means of grace. With an eagerness and delight to partake of Christ. Um, Thirdly, prayer is also a means of grace. It's different than the Word and, and sacraments. Those are objective means of grace. Tr- um, usually we speak of prayer as a subjective means of grace, whereby we offer up our prayers to God, our desires and will to God. God, through that, answers our prayers and pours out grace upon us. Um, time uh, permits me from going into the differences but we, we believe that prayer is also a means. Um, James Fisher, he says, What is the special usefulness of prayer for the above purpose? The prayer of faith fetches home to the soul all the good that is wrapped up both in the Word and in the sacrament. Prayer fetches to the soul. So we, when we offer up our prayers to God, we're fetching to our soul, we're receiving all the good that's offered to us in the Word. And sacraments, again, a means of grace. Uh, so, just three ways that we could apply some of this to ourselves, even this morning. First, we're to have a greater confidence in the means of grace, a greater confidence, especially as a church plant. I mean, it's the same for any church, but as a church plant, taking confidence that God is at work through ordinary means. When it's easy to think of other ways that the culture is reaching and other churches are reaching the lost or building the church, that we would say this is how Christ has called us to be faithful to, uh, in preaching, in the sacraments, and He will build His church through the means of grace. Let's have confidence and trust in that God's at work in them. Or for yourself, when we hear the preaching, pre- the, the receiving of preaching or the, the hearing of the Word of God is not just about the conveyance of information. So it's not just, ah, I've heard this before, okay, I, didn't, I could stop listening. It's about the conveyance of grace. It's about the conveyance of Christ. So when we hear Christ, I hope we've heard of Christ before as a believer, so we hear Him again, and we rejoice, because we get to receive Christ again. So that's how we listen to the means of grace, take confidence in it. Secondly, we're dependent upon the church. We're dependent upon the church. God has instituted the church and the means of grace for us to grow in godliness and for us to persevere in our faith. Therefore, we're to be joined to the church as members of a church and we're to then as members sit under these means, trusting that God is, is at work through them. There's a necessity from it. To be separate from the church is to separate yourself from the words of life. As the disciples say, are you going to leave us also? Jesus asked them. Well, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. In fact, Jesus is the very word of life. So where are we going to go? We're going to run to the church because um, it's a it's ne- ne- uh, necessity for us. Uh, thirdly and finally, uh, may th- when we understand the means of grace, may we have a greater love for Christ's church and the means of grace. It's about loving Christ's church. When we see that's where God is at work, Primarily through the preaching, sacraments, and through prayer in the church. That's going to cause us to love the church. To desire to be a part of the church. And to look forward to gathering as the church. So one of the ways we could ask ourselves if, we're truly, if we truly love the means of grace, if we love the church, is what does the Lord's Day look like for you? Do you delight in coming to church, do you delight in coming to Sunday school to be taught the word of God, to sit in church, to fellowship with the saints, to use that for worship. Uh, a great barometer of our love for the church is uh, the Lord's Day, where He's commanded us spending the time in church. Uh, also, there's aspects that I know you've talked about as well as uh, church membership, that to be connected to Christ is to be connected to His church, so that we would receive grace in and through His church. Through those, those means. So how are we to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior? God has given us the means to grow. Praise God for that. He didn't just save you and leave you off on your own to say figure it out. Off on your own by yourself saying it's me and the Spirit and my Bible. He says I've given you the church. I've given gifts to men as a minister of the gospel to teach you. To shepherd your soul. So that you would grow through these means God has provided a way for us, everything for us in and through his church for life and godliness through the word of God to the preaching of the word of God. Therefore, Hebrews calls us Hebrews chapter 10 to not forsake meeting together and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly in ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. No wonder he calls us not to forsake assembling. Because that's where the Word of God is present. That's where Christ is present. When we gather together on the Lord's Day in the church, Christ is at work for your good. To cause you to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord in Jesus Christ. To preserve your faith in Him. And He uses simple, ordinary means to do so. Well, uh, let us pray. Uh, I think we're out of time. So let's let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, for the church. We're thankful that you've given us the Lord Jesus Christ, that He died for the church, that He spilt his blood for her, for, for us, and that you have granted to your church Uh, everything that we need. You've instituted these means for the good of our souls so that we would grow in Christ, so that we would know and have and receive all that Christ has earned for us. And that once again, through ordinary means, they're confirmed to our hearts. So even today, as the Word of God is taught, as the Word of God is is read, as we receive the sacraments, we, we pray, Lord, that You would bless those means as You've promised to do so. So that we would grow in our love for Christ, and subsequently we would grow in our love for the church. Bless your people uh, this day. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.